On today's podcast, from the North Wahala Church of God, Pastor Neil continues the Wednesday night series, The Sanctuary. Today's message is from Wednesday, March 7, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. Exodus chapter 30, verse 17 and 18. Let me just put this, uh, this out to you. I wanted to break down every sacrifice, but instead what I'm going to do, I'm going to walk you piece by piece of the tabernacle. And if we need to go back to kind of give some more uh, info there, we will. But I don't want to stay too long on one piece of furniture that we don't see the rest of the tabernacle. I'm trying to walk you from the east of the tabernacle to the west of the tabernacle, from the one door to the holy place, all right? So tonight, let's keep walking, let's go. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, you shall also make a laver of bronze with this base also bronze for washing. Somebody say washing. Simon Peter talked about this, didn't he? Jesus had to show him that he was a little confused. This was not washing of the whole body, but this was ceremonial washing and it had a purpose. You shall put in between, this is powerful, you shall put in between the tabernacle of the meeting and the tabernacle of the altar. We're gonna show you this in a few moments. From the altar on the east side, from the holy place, here in the western part, right in the middle is gonna be this laver, this water, this washing, this mirror, this sanctifier. It's gonna be right in the middle, not too much to the left, not too much to the right, but right in the middle, and it serves a purpose. And you shall put water in it. Next verse. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water. Notice these two words from it. That's also significant as well. If you would, just put up the tabernacle first, please. As we walk inside the gate, that one door that makes the way to the holy place, letting us know, as Jesus said, there's one way to the Father. Anybody goes any other way, he is a thief, a robber, and a liar. We walk through that multicolored place signifying to us the beauty that catches our attention. Same thing about Christ that caught your attention when you were lost. Something caught your eye. If it was me, I'll be honest with you. I was partying at that time. I was 16, 17, and I was doing some ungodly things with 35-year-olds. And I thought to myself, if I don't make a change, my life is gonna pass by me, and what I'm doing now, they're still doing at 35. And Bo, I didn't wanna waste 20 years of my life. And I saw something beautiful. I felt the Holy Spirit really for the first time and I gave my life to the Lord just like you did. As we walk through that gate, then we come by the altar. This is what we talked about last week. Here is this altar there that's just for you and I. Here is where sacrifice is made. This is what we do first and not what we do last. This is the first place that we go to. I showed you how in church today we got this backwards. How people just want to run right in God's presence and they think because of who their last name is or what they know or what they give to the church that God is just going to overlook their sin and God is going to overlook the fact they're not saved and just bless them abundantly. No, no, no. The old church had this right. We must first go by the altar. This altar is there because it makes sacrifice. And let me add something new very quickly about the altar. First of all, there are five basic sacrifices that are made on the altar that's mentioned in Leviticus chapter 5. 
All of these were not for sin, but all have relevance to our present day worship and they also reflect in the offering that our Lord made for us on our behalf. Two of these offerings are for reparation and three of these offerings are for consecration. There's a difference. The first two are offerings that were made to repair broken relationships. At this first altar, there were these two type offerings made that were restored two kinds of relationships. First, a relationship between you and God. Can I tell you tonight that when Adam sinned in the garden, there was a broken relationship between you and God. When you were born into Adam, you were born into sin. Nobody has to tell you to lie. 11 years old, when you did something wrong, nobody told you to lie. You didn't want to get that spanking. Or in Walhalla, we call it a whooping, right? In Salem, they call it, you better run before mama catches you. You understand what I'm saying tonight? That's the truth. Nobody had to tell you a lie. Nobody told Aiden to lie. No, no, daddy, I didn't hit the baseball. Your mama saw you outside the window. Yeah, you got me, you're right. Nobody teaches you that, why? Because you're born in the flesh. There is a broken relationship between God and man. And what the altar offers us right here is a way for man to get back to God. From Genesis, God has made a way for you to get back to him. That's good news tonight. To the drug addict, to the alcoholic, to the backslidden preacher, God has made a way. And that way is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Can somebody say amen? But not only broken relationship with God, sin causes bro broken relationship with man. Sin, an affair divides. I was doing some counseling with a couple earlier. We were talking about a situation. Affairs divide homes. It brings brokenness. It don't have to be an affair. It could be just two men in the church, two women in the church. You understand what I'm saying? You wear the same dress that Miss Darling wears on Easter, and guess what? We got a confrontation in the church. Right, Miss Darlene? You don't have to even try it because sin there, somebody's jealous, somebody's bitter, somebody's envious, somebody crosses the line and it breaks the relationship of man. See, this offering was symbolic that when God gets in the middle of something, God can work it out. People that are hard-hearted can repent. People that have not spoke to you in two years, God get a hold of their life and they'll come to you and say, I was wrong and I was sorry. See, when God went to work on that altar, God was making a way to repent what the enemy has broken. The next three, real quickly, the next three uh, sacrifices were about the advancement of us going deeper in a greater meaning in our relationship with Jehovah God. Let's move on from that tonight. Somebody say altar. That's the altar. So now we're through the gate. We went by the altar here of sacrifice. We talked last week about the horns of judgment and how it tied down the sacrifice. We talked about the blood and all that, but now we're past that. We're making our, our way westward. We're on our way to the most holy place. This is where we wanna be. We wanna be in the presence of Almighty God. Here we go, and all of a sudden, on this fast track, God says, wait, 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 wait a second. There's another piece of furniture on the east side of the, of the tabernacle that you gotta stop by first. But Brother Nolan, I've been redeemed. I, I went by the altar. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Praise God for that. Jonathan, you're saved. Look at Steve back from Florida. Steve is saved tonight because he's back here at North Walhalla Church of God. Can somebody say amen? He's saved and that's great. But and now he wants to go in God's presence. 
He's saved. He knows that he's saved. And he's been washed in the blood. He doesn't know nothing about God. He doesn't know how to walk holy. He doesn't know about a godly marriage. He's never seen a godly marriage. He doesn't know how to even not speed in Westminster. He knows Roy's going to let him out of it because Roy goes to our church. He knows nothing about God, but yet he wants to go in the presence of Almighty God. God says, I've got to show you something first. Because there's going to come a day in 2018 where people are going to say that they know me, but they know me not. And he said, I've got to show you a way for them to change, not only in salvation, but change through regeneration, that I may bless them in justification and allow them to be transformed that they might walk clean in my presence. Listen to me. She sung this while ago. This is a taboo word in the church. You can't say the word holiness anymore. When you say holiness, we think of bobby pins, no makeup, which is fine if that's your personal conviction. Don't nobody get mad with me tonight. But what I'm saying is we say holiness and people start shaking. But to go into that next part of the tabernacle, we've got to be clean, folks. We've got to be clean. I'm going to say it one more time. And it's not just clean for God. It's also clean for man. And I'll touch on that in just a second. So to do that, now we go to what's called the laver. We left the altar, and this is the laver. This is the place where the priest would put his hands in. He's not taking a bath. This is not the Western custom of what we do here. <laughs> My grandmother, she's, she's, she's a little older now. But Jonathan, when she would come to our house, she didn't like to take a bath. I guess because when she was really a, a young child, 1920, I guess, they didn't take a bath, they were just kind of washed. So she would, she would take a, a y'all looking at me funny, okay. Uh, just the highs and lows, anybody know what I'm talking about, amen? Yes, yes, that's it. But my son doesn't do that. My son will let the water go up to the brink of the tub. And all of a sudden, I hear Sister Nola say, I'm going to beat you if you don't get up and let some of that water out. You understand? It's a totally different custom. This is much like my grandmother. This is just washing of two specific places. Simon Peter did not understand this when Jesus rebuked him in the New Testament. This is the washing of the hands and also the washing of the feet. At the top, there's this big basin and it has water. This water's there, and then there's an overflow, and then there's a separate part of this two-tier system that would also catch the water. Somebody say amen. amen. This bronze is of high quality, high quality material that was almost like a mirror substance. So this labor was a place where water was sit that would almost reflect back what it saw in the picture. It's kind of like what we use right here. It's a, it's a mirror. That labor stood there for the Old Testament priest. And what they didn't know back in the Old Testament, it would be symbolic of something. That when you looked inside that water, you saw the truth. Are you listening? When I was a child and I had acne real bad, I think I've told you this, but my mom, I wouldn't want to look in the mirror. I had some bumps on my face. And so I'd go to my mother and I'd say, Mom, is it really, is it getting better? She said, oh, baby, it's getting better. And then I'd go run and look in the mirror and I'd go, oh, Mama just lied to me again. You understand? <laughs> the thing about the labor, there was no lie. There was no pretend. 
This was a reflection where the men would come and look. They put their hands and put their feet in. This right here was a place of self-examination. This was a place that you would self-examine yourself before you went into the presence of Almighty God. The water represents to us the need for self, not only examination, but self-purification as a prerequisite for his presence. This is not about the sinner being saved. This is not about somebody having to be perfect to go into the holy place. That's not what he's saying. But for you and I who know better, for you and I that God is calling to a higher work, for you and I that God is calling to use our hands, we can't just live in the world in such a way that we let the world come inside of us that we cannot fulfill what God has placed in our life. Let's go to the usage. In verses 19 and 20, let's take it another step. While this was ceremonial, our priest would never go into the holy place without first stopping by the labor. Never, ever, ever. Never would he just dare run and say, you know what? Ah, God didn't see that. God, God's sleeping today. God's not thought about what I've done. No, never would he do that. The priest would never even go to the altar without checking the purity of his hands and his feet. Pastor Wade walking in the church. I told somebody, I said, we gotta have clean hands. And I can hear the man of God say, and also a clean heart. Absolutely. Who shall ascend into the holy hill of the Lord? He that have clean hands and a what? Pure heart. That's what this is about. The contrast though is different than the altar. Even though both required uh, to have clean hands, there's a difference. At the lave and the altar, this is a multi-dimensional uh, representation of the gospel grace or the grace of God. The altar first and then the labor. Somebody say amen. amen. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. And when we come to the altar, we see what God has done for us. Therefore, we have been justified by our risen Lord. At the labor though, we respond to the work of our Lord by cleansing ourselves. If we have been saved and we have been justified, then we leave those dead works. Hello? I didn't get saved or return as the writer of the New Testament said to my old vomit. That's what he calls it. I'm not trying to be cruel. There is a separation there. Why not so that we can show somebody how great we are, but to show somebody how great God is. Because what I couldn't do, he did inside of me. That's what the labor is about. At the labor, we respond to the work of our Lord by cleansing ourselves. At the altar, I am sanctified legally, but at the labor, I am sanctified practically. See, that's where the world sees. It's water baptism. Water baptism does not save you. Water baptism will not save you. Some people say you can't go to heaven unless you've been baptized in water. That's not true. I've seen people give their heart to the Lord on their deathbed and they're just in heaven, just like you and I will be one day. It's not true. But also there, there's something different where we are saved at the altar, we repent of our sins. It's not just all that happens at the altar, but that is what happens at the altar. But when we go to the labor, it is a practical cleansing. It is a, what the old church called of sanctifying that we might live a lifestyle that would change generations to come. Brother, Lord, I've been saved by grace. And what I'm gonna do tomorrow, I've already been forgiven for. Well, praise God. But let me ask you something. What you're gonna do tomorrow, does it bring edification to your children and your children's children? 
See, we have grown up a generation of church people that never go by the labor, never open the word of God. We have, we have birthed a church where we're more ignorant about God's word than any other time in human history. We have the internet, we have Bibles, we have preachers, but people actually say this now, I'll take your word for it, preacher. Don't you take my word for it. If I come up here Sunday morning and say, I want every one of you to give $1,000 to the Nolan household, take my word for it. I'm joking, I'm kidding, folks, amen. Don't take my word for it. This word is your life. Watch what he says right here. The labor was not an optional place for the priest. It was critical as we journey westward in the tabernacle. Nobody wants to preach on this one. This is the one we bypass to get to the holy place. We go in there next week, but we can't bypass this. Let's go back to Exodus 19, please. The word says here that in verse 19, that they washed their hands and their feet in water from it. This is not a bath. This is not where they would come jump in the pool there. But this is where they would wash their hands and their feet. This is Aaron and his sons. So that they can go in the holy place to be in the presence of the Lord and also come out of that place so they can minister at the altar. Did you notice that? In the middle of the tabernacle is a place of cleansing so that they can then go into God's presence clean, come back out of God's presence, back to the labor, then back to the altar. From the altar, back to the labor, back to the place there. Pastor Noah, why is that significant? Because not only in worship of our Lord, in the presence of Almighty God must we be clean, but as ministers, and every one of you are ministers, to minister in the community, you've also gotta have clean hands and clean feet as well. See, we missed this. We thought we had to be clean because we were afraid God's gonna kill us. God's gonna strike me down. Well, that might be true in some, some instances in scripture and even today. Sometimes God doesn't strike you instantly, but because of what you do, you bring death upon yourself. You drink and drive tonight. You do put something in your body that takes your life. You have brought the sin of death upon yourself. But it's not just the sin of death. It's also North Walhalla, if we're gonna be effective. Today we spent 150 bucks, I think, to feed the baseball team. Get a phone call at the home tonight saying, the baseball coach now wants you to speak after practice coming up. Praise God, praise God. But here's the problem. If you and I, we never spend money, if we invest those tithe dollars to go feed this team, hoping that the pastor can then share the word, but if the pastor has got a chick on the side, you can't hide it, hello? In the day of social media, I can't hide it. Somebody's gonna find out. This is Wahala, you sneeze, they know it, right? I can't hide it, then I lose my voice, I lose my influence, you lose your influence, and that's where we missed it. It's not, Steve, just about going in God's presence. It's also about ministry to this world. I want you to hear me. I'm here to disciple you. I'm here to shepherd you. I am here to motivate you. I don't want lazy Christians. God deliver us from lazy Christians. 
I want you to cut your neighbor's grass for free. And when they tell you why, you tell them because you love them. Make them feel uncomfortable. Make them feel like you got leprosy or something because you love them so much, right? Hello? When, they, when the child breaks the window to your house, don't, don't just lose your mind and cuss at them. Let mama pay for them, but also let that child know you made some mistakes too. Hello? Chris and I have already had this talk. Don't play softball. If you're gonna go out there and let some of these people act like they don't know me or God, cause I will embarrass them. You're not gonna put what we've worked so hard for. I say we, pastors before me, members before me, some buried across the road. You're not gonna put all that on yourself and lose it in a moment what took us a generation to win. Hello? You've got a good reputation. I didn't say me, I said you. You've got a good reputation throughout Oconee County. But it happens because you and I know that our hands are clean and our feet are clean. The Bible said in Psalms that these feet don't run quickly to mischief. Right? Come on, somebody. Don't leave me up here. That's what happens when we go by the labor. We're allowed to go in his presence, but we're also allowed to go back out in the world. We could tell that little lady in the nursing home, somebody loves you. Our youth group went out the other night, visited one of our, our, our shut-ins and had a blast. Oh, Brother Nolan, these young people don't want to go. Yes, they do. They just need somebody to lead them. What we've done for a generation is we've told everybody, let the priest do it for us. And now I'm telling you, no, I want you to do it for yourself. I want you to make up your mind tonight that before I go in his presence, I've got to have a clean hand, clean feet as well. Let's, can we dig a little more, please, in this? I got one amen. Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. That's okay. I got 16 minutes. When they would do this, they would first wash their hands so they could go in the holy place. At this place, when they would wash their hands, they would go by the tabernacle. When they say, make their way westward, pass all the candles and incense. I'm not going to talk about that. Pass the altars. They're making their way. They wash their hands. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 and 8, by doing this, Paul wrote to Timothy that then he can lift up holy hands. Timothy, if you're going to be our minister, you must walk in a way, not perfection. Pastor, you're making it seem like you don't sin. That's a lie. I do sin. But I don't practice sin. Hello? We had a confrontation at the Nolan household today with a child. Sister Nolan was close to sinning. I'm gonna call her out, amen? When you grab two belts, you're close to sinning. Somewhere in scripture says that, right? That's first Nolan three and five or something like that, I don't know. I'm not perfect, but it's not a lifestyle of sin. It's not twisting scripture. It's not creating a new doctrine. It's not a new philosophy. It's not a new religion. It's not a new religion to fit my. Anytime you see hypocrisy or heresy, generally there is a false prophet that's either benefiting sexually or financially. I said it. Go ahead, tweet that. I said it, look at all the false prophets. They start new religion, so why? They can have more partners. They start a new doctrine where they can take yours and your daughter, or they start a new philosophy where they can take your pocketbook. That's not the word of God, folks. Oh, come on, somebody. We've got to have clean hands. 
When Jesus rebuked Simon Peter, when he said, you're not going to touch me, what did Simon say? Jesus said, if you're not washed or if I don't wash you, you have no part for me in the kingdom. And what did Simon say? Not only my feet or my hands, but my whole body. And the Lord said, your whole body doesn't need to be washed. What he was saying to Simon was, Simon, you're already clean. But if you're going to work in this world, come in my presence. And then go out there and work in the world. Sometimes in this world, things are going to attach to your hands. Don't look at me strange. Roy, you're a police chief. You cannot tell me that you don't see some bad stuff from time to time. This stuff will jump on you. How many men are married? Anybody married in this house? Don't tell me you haven't lost your temper from time to time. In the New Testament, they would go wash at the bathhouse. They're fully clean. But by the time they got back to the house, they're not walking on paved streets. Hello? They're walking where donkeys have tread. And where donkeys have tread, they leave their tread. So at the house before they would walk in, what would they do? Take their sandals off, wash their feet and hands. If you're gonna work in the kingdom of the Lord, you hear me. You're already saved, but sooner or later in this world, somebody's gonna hurt your feelings, somebody's gonna make you mad. There's some things that are gonna try to attach to you, and before you can move westward, westward in the tabernacle, you've gotta to come to that place and look in that mirror. You have to put your hands in there and say, God, I know I'm saved, but God, I'm struggling with some anger right now. Can somebody say amen tonight? Can we give God the biggest hand of praise? Real quickly, the labor is the word. Just a very quick, the labor is the word. Paul says that not only in Ephesians 5 and 26, he said with the washing of the water by what? Somebody say it. The word. See it? The word. By the washing of water by the word. This word has a way of cleaning you. Brother Noel, I just don't love my wife anymore. Anymore. The Bible will tell you to love her. It's not a feeling, but a choice. Brother Nolan, I don't want to pay taxes. I think Trump, Obama government, he says, you give Caesar what is Caesar and give God what is God's. I don't like to pay taxes either. I don't. But I also like to live somewhere that doesn't have bars. Hello? There's so much in the word if we would just apply it but we don't because we do not examine ourselves by the word. Paul is clear, let's move forward. He would say a little bit later that it's also by the word, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The literal translation there is the labor of regeneration. It is a cleansing effect. What he say a little bit later, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word, John 17 and 17 is truth. He would say to the disciples, you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The word of God makes us clean. Yes, you're saved. But for you to move deeper in God, where you can go in his presence and he can reveal more to you, and where you can work in the world, you've got to do it by the word. Brother Noel, I'm mad at everybody. I've had some enemies. Bible don't say cuss your enemies. The Bible says bless your enemies. 
the word. What would happen tomorrow when your boss cusses at you? When Jonathan, your boss cusses at you tomorrow if you respond back in the word? Are you listening? The word will change it. It'll change the atmosphere of a home. Brother Lowe, my wife gets home. I'm gonna remind her of what happened seven years ago. The Bible said that love keeps no record of wrongs. You're still fighting or something that if you would just put the word in your bedroom. And we're all adults in here. I'm preaching tonight. I'm teaching. I'm trying. You put the word in there, it might bring a little back more spice to your house. My wife's cold. Well, she's cold because you might be not applying the word. She might be cold if you keep bringing up four boyfriends that she had ago. Hello? Mm, you're quiet in here now. I got 10 minutes. I'm going to give you a couple of things. When we apply the word, it will do a, a few things. I'm going to close at eight like always. First of all, by doing this, it brings self-examination. The importance of self-examination is a New Testament issue. James, the brother of the Lord, says the word is like a mirror. He said, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a man observing the natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. I see myself. Once I leave, I forget about what I just saw. No, you're not in the word. Hello? This word will convict you because if you're truly walking with God and you want to serve Wahala, Oconee County, and you want to go in God's presence, when you come by the labor, you self-examine yourself, and if you're a true man of God, woman of God, you apply that word, the word will make you get out of your pew, go to somebody and apologize. The word, amen. Y'all quiet tonight, I don't understand. The word will put marriages back together. The word will make you go, you know what, I've been blaming everybody else for my bad attitude, but it's really me that has the bad attitude. The word will show you that you've been blaming the government, the president, the preacher, the doorkeeper, while you're not getting the promotion, but it's really you because you don't show up on time, you don't give an honest day's effort for honest day's pay, you're not trying to bless those around you, and so while you're blaming everybody else for why you're not being blessed, the word will show you. Had a man show up one time tell me, I don't work. I expect the church to take care of me and will send his kids to beg for money. I'm telling you the truth, weighed about 585 pounds. And this is what I told him about the fifth time. I looked at him, I said, I'm gonna make a promise to you, sir. I said, you will never get a piece of chicken for your big self from this church. He said, what kind of preacher for you to tell me that? I said, what kind of father would send his kids begging? They've been to 28 churches, 28 churches, 28 churches when the word of God says, if a man doesn't work, don't let him eat. Right. If he can't work, that's fine. If he needs disability, I understand that. But you're not gonna sit at home and watch Oprah all day while I'm working and for me put chicken on your plate. So I told him, Roy, just like this, I said, your children will always have food and your children will always have clothes and this church will take care of them. But I want you to hear me, big boy. I will never put a piece of food on your plate. Preacher, you're mean. No, I'm not. I'm not going to encourage somebody to violate scripture. And what we're doing today, we are raising up, and I'm going to say this. 
We're raising up a, a sissy generation that will not grab the word of God and hold people accountable because we're afraid that we might offend somebody when we know that they are wrong. If you send that to the overseer, I might lose my license, amen? Secondly, not only do we need to self-examine, but we also use the labor for cleansing. John 15 and three, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. This word brings a cleansing to your life. I am clean not because of who I am. I'm clean because he saved me. And I'm still applying this word. I am sanctified, but I want you to hear me. The only disagreement I have with the old church, I do believe there's a moment that God sanctified me. But I also believe that I'm still being sanctified. I am a better father today than I was five years ago. Because God has taught me that I was wrong in some areas. I'm a better husband right now, I hope, than I was four years ago. Because God is teaching me how to be a better husband through this word. I'm not perfected yet. Are you listening? That happens because of this. Thirdly, it examines our attitude. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, talking about the Lord's Supper. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy or in an unworthy manner will be guilty of body, blood, and of the Lord. That word unworthy there is a little different. He's talking about the attitude of man. He describes the way in which a person eats and drinks. Not our unworthy condition, but an unworthy attitude attitude. None of us is worthy of what God has done for us, but he has declared us worthy and invited us into his presence. And having been declared worthy and given such honor, we must now show reverence and respect. He says, let us examine ourselves. He's told them a little bit later in Corinthians, some of you are sick because you have now partaken. You understand what they were doing here in Corinthians? They were using the Lord's Supper to get drunk. And what they were doing were, they were abusing the meaning of the Lord's Supper and they had an attitude that says, it's my right. Saints tonight, this word is not a permission for you to sin. But it'll examine, you're going in and you're coming out. This word will get up all in your pocketbook. It will. This word will get all up in your TV. Oh, Lord, that's old time there. Amen. Yes, it will. This word, what every part of your life, this word will affect. Lastly, and I close. This word also, the labor would discern the body. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. There's an absence of discernment today. And I really believe the reason that we have this absentee or this lack of discernment in the body of Christ is because we have neglected this right here. That mirror that you will look into it, if you do it in a manner that you are desiring it to affect your life. Now listen to me. If you come to church and you don't want the preaching to affect you, it's not gonna affect you. Brother Nolan, this wasn't your best sermon tonight. That's fine, for somebody else it may be. 
But if you do not allow the word to take root, for that seed to go in your heart and take root, then you're not gonna reap a, a, a harvest. Some people can sit over here and get absolutely nothing. Then somebody else can sit over here and be saved and change their life. What's the difference? It's the same word. Over here, one marriage can be restored and over here, one marriage can be broken. Over here, one lady or man can be uplifted from a, from a, a, a bad place and over here, somebody can leave the same way they come in. What's the difference? It's the same word. But if you apply it and you let it go to effect in your life, it will change you. If I want to go into his presence, I can't just go in your way. I got to come by the word. What did James say? It's like looking into a mirror. Would you stand with me tonight? The African-American church, they would say it like this. Ooh, that preacher read your mail tonight. First time I heard that when I came into the church, I said, I didn't know he knew where I lived at. And they said, oh, white preacher, no, you don't understand. And they had to break it down. It means that the word was so powerful. Let me just say how they would say it back home. It got up in your business. You say, who told him? Preacher, who told you? That's how, when I first, how does he know? How does she know? How does a Sunday school teacher know? The word. It'll change you, folks. Here's what I want to happen tomorrow. I want you to view everything tomorrow through the word. Not what your grandma said, not what the president said, not what the preacher said, but the word. Every relationship, every coworker, every family member, that person in your family you can't stand, but you wouldn't tell nobody about it. That person in your family that's been gossiping, that person that owes you $5 and a nickel. Are you listening? How many of you got a family member that owes you something? Right? You right? You know, you, you call them like, where you at? What, what happened there for? What's going on, you know? I, I want you to view it through the word. Through the word. I'm gonna tell you, if you'll do that, you can wash everything off. You can wash it off your feet. Then you can go out and share the gospel, and then that scripture that says, How beautiful are the feet of those that share the good news. Father, I've taught your word tonight in a difficult subject. I'm trying to bring an Old Testament picture that will foreshadow a fulfillment of our Lord that is the picture of how we walk with Almighty God. It's a difficult task for an inferior minister, but one I'm asking you to help me in every way. You know that I am a lover of the Pauline epistles. I love the book of Acts and the gospels, but for some reason, Father, in the subject that I've had to spend time in, you're teaching me this for this body, for this season. God, next week, we're gonna take the next step. We're moving now to another piece of furniture in the tabernacle. Father, now it begins to get into his presence. And oh God, that's where we all wanna be. That's where the joy is. Father, we love you. Be with your, your people tonight. Let your face shine upon them. May your grace be with them. In Jesus' name, everyone said.
Amen. God bless you. You're free to go.